All righty, welcome to another Behind the Seams Prospects Corner by Just Baseball Media. As always, I'm your host, Jared Perkins, but I have an incredible guest with me today, uh, Kevin O'Brien from the Royals Reporter and Pitcher List. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, Michael Garcia just hit a leadoff home run. So that's, uh, and after writing an article about why the Royals need to have him more at the leadoff spot, this is pretty, pretty nice to see. Of course, they lost the lead, but hey, still a lot of baseball to go. But so, two in a two in a row against the Dodgers. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about um, being a Royals fan, which hasn't been easy this year. Yeah, yeah, have to have to admit that is true. But um, that is what the theme is going to be on this podcast. Uh, we have an incredible interview that we'll get to later with Samad Taylor, uh, one of the prospects of the Kansas City Royals, who was recently called up. But what we want to do with these pods is uh, really kick off with a discussion of the farm system with the guys that we've interviewed. Um, so we wanted to go into the Royals farm system. Um, there's a lot of things that we can talk about here. Um, but Kev, I want to kick off the first part of the discussion talking about the recent lack of top 100 prospects, right? We saw MLB pipeline bump Gavin Cross out. I think Baseball America also did out of their top 100. Um, what's the state of the Royals farm currently? I think it's a bit of an, in a crossroads. I, you know, I, I you know, to be honest, I, I liked cross, but I didn't love cross as a, pro, as mm-hmm. a prospect. And I kind of felt him being a top hundred guy was a bit of, was going to be on shaky ground this year. I, I think a lot of that was due to him having a really good campaign in low A Columbia after he signed. Um, I think if he didn't have that kind of campaign, he probably wouldn't have been a top 100 guy. So I, yeah, I'm not surprised with his slow start in quad cities that he's not. And kind of after that, it was really polarizing who was kind of the top two, three in the system. You know, I know Michael Garcia had gotten some hype, but some people were questioning the power. I know some people liked Ben Kaderna, but they were questioning the strikeout ability. Some liked Frank Mazzucato, but they questioned the walks. So it was kind of one of the things there was always like a little, a lot of flaws depending yeah. on who you really liked. So I'm not kind of surprised that they're kind of in this crossroads. I think the system will get better after the draft. I think the system will get better after the trade deadline. Um, so I'm not surprised that they're kind of in the lower end, but I think they're stocking. I think there's some, I think what we are seeing is that the system is doing a good job of developing late round picks. And I think um, that's going to really start to come to fruition at, in the second half. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But, you know, in terms of, is this what it was back in 2022? Obviously not. This yeah. is not the Bobby Witt, MJ, Nick Prado classes that we're seeing. Um, and so I think, you know, we're, and I think a lot of people understand that too. I mean, any prospect service that you see is saying, yeah, you know, if you want to count young talent, it's okay. But when it comes to actual prospects, it's a little thin right now. Yeah, I, I want to dive a little bit more into Gavin Cross because you mentioned that. I, I think the one thing that was concerning a lot of people was he's striking out over 30% of the time. He's actually recently brought that down to 29.9. He's right on the edge. Um, but he's made some improvements in June, which have kind of really impressed me. I think he was uh, somewhere around like the 22, 23% strikeout march for the month. Um, so I'm wondering if a lot of that's due to adjustments. He still hit 10 home runs. He stole 16 stolen bases. Um, so it, to me, it's like I, I have a hard time just giving up on him right away, right? I think uh, Preston Farr, from the, who covers Royals minor leaguers for Royals Review, touched on how he reminds him a lot of Tyler O'Neill, And I, mm. I can see that comp a lot, uh, left-handed style. He's got some of the same swing and miss issues. But Tyler O'Neill came up and hit like 30-plus home runs for the Cardinals at some point. I think Cross could kind of play that same role. Um, what are you seeing kind of in Gavin Cross's game that um, gives you some hope but also gives you some concern? 
I you know, I haven't thought about that Tyler O'Neill reference, but that makes a lot of sense. And and who knows what Tyler O'Neill could be like if he wasn't injured, right? If you could yeah. have a healthy Tyler O'Neill, I think a lot of Royals fans would take that. I mean, I think yeah. what kind of really deflates people about Tyler O'Neill is that he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, I I, I think you know the K's are going to be a reality. I mean, it's just, and I think, but I do think the walks are going to be still there. I think the power's there. I think the speed is there. I do think he's more of a corner outfielder, but I think he can be a very good corner outfielder. Um, there's a lot of Drew Waters, but with a little bit more power kind of in his game, it feels like. Yeah. Maybe not as like great defensively as Waters, but, I mean, the stolen bases is kind of surprising. Um, the home runs have always been there. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Is he a top 100 guy? No, but I wasn't thinking he was a top 100 guy either. Like when it came to my top 50 prospects list, I had – Garcia over him Mm -hmm. um so like so I'm I'm kind of like hey like I kind of get it but um I still think there's there's gonna be some hope I think he kind of I think he kind of um shouldered a lot of those expectations early on in the year and when it didn't go his way I think he kind of struggled through that but I think he's working through that now that the hype has kind of gone down a little bit so um I I I could see him still having a good solid year in, in high a and you know I could see him having a if he gets a call up to to double a i could see him having a solid um debut and hopefully parlaying that into a good 2024 yeah i i think that's right i think we just kind of want to see the momentum continue to kind of go in the right direction um kind of as it has been so far um the other thing i want to touch on too thinking of cross and guys like Caden wallace who came out of the last draft uh Caden wallace has been in a kind of an absolute stud kind of all around um i don't think he's got anything that's super flashy that you're like oh this is going to be an absolute elite superstar but he just kind of does everything right he plays the hot corner well has a really good arm um has been hitting he's been one of the better hitting prospects at least in the lower levels um so do you have any thoughts on Caden wallace yeah i've really been impressed with him um you know he was one i was kind of on on the fence um I'm kind of surprised he didn't get more more hype for the yeah. futures game consideration. I mean, you look at his numbers, they're actually pretty good. I mean, you look at like two, 269 batting average, okay, a little low, but 132 WRC plus, yeah. eight home runs, 12 stolen bases. Um, you know, you have a 0.49 walk to K ratio. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't give him the nod there. Maybe, maybe they just felt they had too many position players and they'd rather give it to a pitcher, mm-hmm. but – um, you know, I think he's been one of the better prospects. I, I think he's put himself into consideration that he's a bona fide top five Royals prospect in their system, maybe a top, definitely a top three, I think, um, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be the question, right? Is there's so much depth around that area with, you know, the infield being an area of strength right now for the Royals. Like, so what's going to be Wallace's future? Is somebody else going to get dealt to be, to make room for that? So I think there's, um, but I think that's a next year decision. I don't think that's a August decision or July decision by any means. But um, I've been really impressed with him because um, I, you know, I think um, I was kind of on the fence a little bit, and and just because you know, just I know he had some of that SEC pedigree, and I was like, yeah. okay, is he worthy of that, that SEC pedigree, or is he another Brady, you know, Brady McConnell that maybe doesn't live quite up to that? And um, and he's so far really proved that he can. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with Caden Wallace. I, I, I will say, admittedly, I was very high on Gavin Cross coming out of the draft for various reasons. I mean, the one big reason was that he just cut down on his strikeouts so much during his um, senior year, and our junior year, sorry. Um, and the swing and miss seemed to be gone, for, or not gone, but at least improved, and it just kind of it's taken a step back. And then when you saw him in low A, too, I thought, oh, 
well, there are some improvements. But yeah, Caden Wallace was a guy that I was really excited that they got. Like him and Max Wagner were the two guys that I really wanted the Royals to get that pick. Um, I think Max Wagner's been struggling a little bit with the Orioles, but he's still flashing a ton of power and speed at the corner, hot corner, which is cool to see. Um, sticking with the lower minors before we kind of go into some of like the recent call-ups, um, the one thing I have noticed, is it seems like there's a noticeable lack of bats in the lower minors, right? Outside of Caden Wallace and even Gavin Cross has been doing some – uh, doing pretty well, at least at the performance level. You look at low A Columbia and it's not pretty. Um, like Carter Jensen and guys like that seem to be continuing to struggle. Um, it's, it seems like as like Peyton Wilson and John Rave and all these guys have moved to double A and triple A, like Tucker Bradley and others, um, that the Royals haven't really seen the bats continue to develop the same way as those guys have. Um, what are some of the kind of trends and themes you're seeing around the lower minors right now, hitting wise? You know, we've seen that. I mean, the last, I mean, the last two years, we know that, um, you know, the Royals after the pandemic had moved their, their low A affiliate from Lexington to Columbia. And, you know, we've really seen the offense that has really struggled. You know, a lot of it is because, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of the low A squad has tend to be a lot of our international players matriculating from the DSL and the ACL to, um, to Columbia. And, yeah, and there's and you can see there's upside there. You can see that there's some talent, you know, and some raw tools there. Whether it's Daniel Vasquez, or Lissandro Rodriguez, or Gene Ramirez, or even Eric Pena, but there's also just some huge flaws, and it just seems like there's a lot of things that help those that are um, have held those guys back. I, I was really kind of hopeful. I know that Aria Adot. I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he came from the Phillies organization, mm-hmm. and he had some really good, good credentials and working with kind of Latin American hitters and, and with analytics. And, and there's been some, some, some progress with some guys, but it, but it seems like a lot of that has kind of plateaued, you know, in June after kind of yeah. strong Mays. I know Daniel Vasquez was a guy who had a really good May and then kind of really just kind of plateaued in June. And you can kind of see the same thing from Lissandro Rodriguez and Eric Pena has shown some power and some walks, but he means like striking out near 50% of the time, which is just insane. Um, <laughs> so it's, um, so I think that's just the big thing. And, and I know, like I remember hearing on the Royals rundown podcast talking about hitting environments. I know Columbia and the Sally can always kind of be a hit and miss hitting environment for, for hitters. I remember that when I was covering giants prospects and mm-hmm. Augusta. Um, so, but at the same time, it's also, you know, there's also a lot of strikeout issues that are kind of concerning. So I, I think that's kind of the big issue we're seeing with the low A prospects in the Royal system, a lot of strikeout issues. Um, I don't know if it's just with the development under Sailor. They're just working on being patient, and this is some of the growing pains, and maybe we'll see differences in the second half. I know Columbia was a lot better in the second half last year. So if that trend continues, maybe we'll see some of those progress with those prospects on that hitting end. Yeah, I think you're to your point where if they're trying to be more patient, I mean, Pena's striking out, I was looking it up, 53% of the time, but he's walking 16% of the time. That doesn't leave a lot of room for hits. <laughs> I mean, that's true, three three, uh, three true outcomes right there. Yeah. I mean, that's the definition of the word right there. Yeah. Look at Pena. He's got seven home runs and eight stolen bases, but still is hitting 147 on the season. Uh, it's It's been rough to kind of watch him a little bit. Um, just kind of moving into the one thing, other thing I want to talk about is the Royals have had a lot of recent call-ups as well. Um, like Alec Marsh just made his mate major league debut. Samad Taylor has recently been called up. Even Darion Blanco, um, has called up after JBJ was, uh, designated for assignment. So 
out of some of those recent call-ups like Marsh, um, is there a guy that's standing out to you that you're really kind of excited to look forward to watching long-term as the second half of the season approaches? I think Marsh is a big one, most because I think the pitching need is there. Um, uh, I, you know, I like Blanco just as a personal. I mean, I own his spring training jersey from 2022. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, um, you know, like I think Blanco is going to be more of like a one tool kind of guy. You know, you, we obviously this, see the speed on the base paths. And, and, I, and you know, I think he's going to offer off some off the bench. And I think t- Taylor's kind of proven he can be maybe a platoon guy that can go against left-handed starting pitchers. But I think Marsh, you know, you know, it's like I think he showed a lot of potential in his start against the Dodgers. Obviously, he made some mistakes. You know, Mookie bets will make you pay for that. But you know, it, there it was a lot more. It was a lot more promising than I would have expected. And and so I'm really kind of excited for like this crop of pitchers, kind of in the upper levels, especially AAA, to make their way. You know, Jonathan Ballin's a guy that I'm really excited about. You know, making his way up um, to to the Kansas City. Um, you know, obviously Anthony Veneziano and and Cole Reagan's the, the most recent acquisition. So um, I think the pitching is in a dire need. Um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, I, I definitely am curious to see if there's one guy that's going to kind of just come in and just really um, make kind of like stake his place in the rotation for 2024, because I think a lot of them are going to get um, auditions to do so. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, Marsh is a guy that I've always been interested in watching only because it seems like every year it's talked about that he has the best stuff in the minor league system for the Royals, right? He's got a four pitch, four pitch mix that is basically all plus pitches um, outside maybe the changeup. Um, and he's just got the command is the only thing that's been holding him back. And you're like, if that guy can just get even average command, just get that thing up to a 50 grade, like he could be a number three starter in the major leagues. Yeah. And, and I think you see it and it's, you know, and again, it's, it's just limiting those mistakes. I know he's mm-hmm. done a little bit better job of that in 2023 compared to 2022. Uh, but we, we've seen that his mistakes get hit hard and it's, yeah. and that's, and that's the problem is, you know, his mistakes, they go for home runs. They're not going for singles yeah. and, and what can he do in the zone to, to kind of minimize those. And sometimes it takes time, um, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, we've seen some pitchers in the Royals. I know Daniel Lynch was a guy like that that took some time. His mistakes were getting blasted, and it took him a, a year, you know, to figure that out. And so I'm, I'm kind of hoping we kind of see that progress as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, just kind of touch on two more subjects before we get into some under-the-radar prospects here. The first is kind of the old narrative that we keep hearing is that the Royals can't develop pitching, right? That's the – it's – even with a new hiring of Ryan Sweeney and uh, Zach Bove um, – it's still the constant narrative that the Royals can't develop pitching. And it seems like we're less focusing on what's happening now versus like, oh, Royals haven't developed pitching in the past, so they still can't do it. And that seems like every article that comes out references that. But there's been significant development in the arms, especially at the lower levels. When you look at Frank Mazzucato, even Ben Kudrina, David Sandlin, Mason Barnett, Luinder Avila, all these guys have really taken some steps. Even the relievers like Jonah DePoto, John McMillan, Will Klein at the higher levels. Um, so talk a little bit about, on a positive note, uh, the Royals pitching development and the step is that they've really taken in just year one. You know, and he, you know, to, to start off, developing pitching is hard. Yeah, There's a lot of teams yeah. that are successful in Major League Baseball that don't develop pitching. St. Louis Cardinals don't develop pitching. The New York Mets don't develop pitching. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could look at, 
I mean, do the pod? I mean, the Padres really don't develop pitching. All their pitchers are free agents and trades yeah. and everything like that. So, the yeah, Cardinals just trade Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon yeah. to the Marlins. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's like you know, it's just like you know, it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, that's not an excuse, but it's just like you know, it's like not every organization can be the Rays and the Guardians just like that. It it it, it's, it takes time and it takes luck. Um, but you know, I, I think that what I like is I feel like there's been a strong. Um, focus and um and priority to really focus on developing the pitching and and i think we're seeing that and i I think we're seeing that um you know in the lower levels and low a and high a um you know we're seeing better command from some of the pitchers it's not perfect but there's also a lot of raw pitchers there i mean you look at columbia there's a lot of international and high school prospects pitching there i mean those guys came from cold weather states i mean those guys are going to take some time to develop um you know again like the Rockies example, like, you know, yeah. it takes time to develop. And, um, and then, you know, I think when you're looking at, I think now we're seeing a kind of a crop of triple a pitchers who obviously have flaws, you know, and they're, and they're not perfect, but there's seeds of some potential there. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, I think you can say, look, we got some guys that can really fill in a bullpen. Like, like if Ballon can't make in the rotation, this guy can fill in a bullpen. You know, if, um, Christian, you know, Christian Chamberlain, you know, yeah. Jonah DePota, th- those guys have intrigue. I, I still remember that, that interview with Kyle Boddy and Rouse Farm Report. And I remember Boddy was kind of talking about like, yeah, Chamberlain was one of the toughest pitchers we faced, you know, back then, you know, so it's, there's some potential there. Um, and so I think the starting pitching will come in time. Um, I think once kind of, you know, once they start developing and once, you know, they get more people within their system, I think the big question is whether or not they'll have the time to do so. Um, but um, I think we're seeing it. It's a lot better place. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, like they've put them, been put on blast the last couple of years, and sometimes that takes time to get to get out of that shadow. You know, once you get kind of exposed for that, it takes time. I mean, let's face it: the Orioles had one of the worst farm systems during the Dan Duquette era. I yeah. mean, like, like let's, let's not let's not think that the or- Orioles are being hailed as geniuses of <laughs> player development now, but that wasn't the case during the Dan Duquette era, and so. You know, it's, those things can't change, and and I and I'm kind of hoping that the Royals are kind of making that change, just like we kind of saw the Orioles did, you know, just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there, and I think that's kind of a, a perfect uh, discussion to have because it, it it's easy to say and point at the flaws that were happening in the past and say they're continuing, but when there's significant improvements happening, kind of right in front of your eyes, it's hard to be like, oh, so the same things are still happening. Royals can't develop pitching, and but I don't think that's the case. Um, but thinking about the the strengths that the Royals have had on the pitching side lately and some of the weaknesses, at least at the lower levels and hitting, what are some of your up expectations for the upcoming 2023 MLB draft? Uh, where do you want to see the Royals kind of go in terms of picks and things like that? You know, one of the things I've, I feel like the Royals don't get enough credit for is their really good job of getting value in the late rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a guy like a Javier Vaz, a 14th round pick, and Fangraphs, you know, though we all know like a lot of Royals fans, as we saw on Twitter today, you know, they have their disagreements with yeah. where Fangraphs was the rankings. But the fact is, is like they're drafting guys in the late rounds that are getting hype, you know, or mm-hmm. at least. Or, and so with Javier Vaz, a 14th round pick going, you know, being their fourth best prospect Austin Charles you know being considered their 10th best prospect so I feel good about the value I feel good about the Royals especially on position players being able to find guys in the later rounds um, especially on the position player end um, you know 
to be to have value i know river town was a guy who was kind of mm-hmm. out producing his value until he's kind of got hurt um so I, you know so that's kind of what i'm thinking um you know I, i'd like to see some polished there's a lot of polished college bats um but i'd like to see continued upgrades on pitching just because if the royals really feel like hey this is a strength of our development system then let's let's see that and let's yeah. see them invest in the pitching and let's see them get guys that they feel like hey these guys have the skills that we know and i'd like to see some kind of common denominators um you know i, I have all kinds of problems with the rockies development system but one thing i do respect is i know like when they look for pitching they'd say hey we look for guys from like cold weather college or colleges or states for high schools or preps and we kind of feel that hey like they're going to fit our system because of where our minor league teams are are and we're going to um, and we see things that some that traditional teams might say, ah, we, we're going to ignore that because, you know, they're a pitcher from Colorado or they're a pitcher from Kansas or something like that. So, you know, so I'd like to see some common denominators with that. And I think we kind of seen that, you know, with that 2021 draft where they drafted Moscato, Coderna and Panzini, all cold weather states. Um, but but I'd, I'd like to see some more de- drafting and pitching because at the end of the day, the Royals are not going to get a free agent ace. They're no. like, you know, Max Scherzer is not coming to Kansas City. Jacob DeGrom is not coming to Kansas City. You need to be able to like to be like Tampa to, to develop that Tyler Glass now or like Cleveland to develop that Shane Bieber. And I'd like for them to find somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about the times when the Royals were good, they traded for their aces too. It was Johnny Cueto. It was James Shields. It was guys like that that were kind of brought in to, to really solidify that rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of as we kind of segue into the last part here, um, who's one under the radar prospect that you think other people should be paying attention to that really is not um, on the top prospects list all over the place, getting all the attention. Is there one guy that you're like, Oh, everybody needs to be thinking about this name a little bit more. You know, one, the one guy that I continue to get more and more impressed with, and I think he's getting more attention is, is just Austin Charles, mm, um, you know, yeah. just 20th round pick a lot of high upside when he was selected and, it's you know, and I'm not sure where what's his ultimate outlook, but it's kind of looking at like really this guy lasted until the 20th round. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the bigger story. Um, you know, it's nice for the Royals to kind of have that prospect that just seems uber athletic, uber upside, uber ceiling, and then them kind of trying to develop that. Um, you know, and it's and sometimes you know we've seen a lot of those guys. Like I'm not saying Austin Charles is Ellie De La Cruz. But Ellie De La Cruz was an under underrated international prospect. And, yeah. And he really and he really developed and grew. And and I'm not saying that Austin Charles is going to be like that, but it'd be nice to see that kind of story. And I feel like with his upside, that's that can happen. Um so he's kind of, I'd say definitely the big one um from a hitting end that I really like. Um and then I like the the other guy that I'm really kind of excited about and continuing to get excited about is Linder Avila. Um, yeah. you know, just big strong pitcher. Uh, I, I'm kind of getting really excited about the crop of international pitchers that we're seeing. Um, you know, the Royals, you know, have had some struggles with the international signings, um, but you know they've had some success with pitchers. Whether it's your Donald Ventura or Carlos Hernandez, you know, it's like can Luander Avila kind of be what we thought Carlos Hernandez would be from a starter's end, um, and I, I think he has the size and pedigree to do it. And um, and he's kind of a guy that's really rose fast in the Royals prospect rankings. I think if you looked at any like 2021 or 2022 list, he wasn't on there. And now all of a sudden you're, he's like, Oh boy, why, why didn't we have this guy on there before? So those are kind of two names that I think are not getting a lot of love in the top thirties 
from like a baseball America or MLB pipeline that I think are going to be rising fast. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think the only guys I would mention that are really sticking out to me is the relievers that I talked about before, like Jonah DePoto, Will Klein, Christian Chamberlain, who you mentioned, and John McMillan. I feel like those guys are never going to get in like the top 30 ranks just because they're relievers. But you think about the days of Greg Hall and Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, having like a solidified bullpen, if they can just develop some of these high-powered arms – into these seventh, eighth, ninth guys, the starting pitching, you rely on a little bit less, like, right. You just need five innings, four innings out of those guys before you have to start going to the pen. Um, so I'm excited to see those high powered arms. It's of course, a lot of them need to lower their walk weight. Guys like Anthony Veneziano, who's starting, I still think he winds up ending up being some kind of reliever so he can really uptick those K per nine, which has kind of dwindled a little bit this year as he's gone up levels and has continued to start. But I think that's where my focus is kind of on is those relievers. And I I think that's a great point. I mean, you look at a team like the Astros, the Astros is where they succeed is depth. Yeah. It's like, hey, like a guy like – we have a guy like Javier and Aquiti and, and the guy like we can have this six man rotation or, or like long relievers that can really like give us the depth that we need. That's where the modern game is going. Um, you're, and, and I think um, I think I think the Royals see that. I think the Royals and I think that's how Q has been handling his pitching staff is like, look, like we're not going to have traditional one through fives at times. You know, and, you know, maybe maybe we go with openers and go go with bulk guys. Um and so I think, you know, if you have guys that can have those quality and you essentially you have multiple pitchers that can be a fifth rotation spot or, or fifth and sixth rotation spot, yeah. I think that's kind of the future of the game. And I think the Royals are at least have potential to really be very good in that end. Yeah, uh, I think that's an awesome thing to end on, too. I mean, Kevin, I can't thank you enough for joining. This has been just an awesome in-depth discussion of the Royals minor league system. Uh, always love talking with you. Um, but before we kind of head over to that interview with Samad Taylor, uh, just let everybody know where they can find you, all your work on uh, Twitter, on blogs, things like that. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter if it continues to work. Had some success today, but at um, Royal Report Kev, so capital R, capital R, and capital K, Royal Report Kev at Twitter. You can find me at my website at royalsreporter.com, and then you can find my work in fantasy baseball um, for pitcherlist.com as I contribute to the weekly uh, batted, uh, batter's box column as well as to the going deep section. That's amazing. Everybody make sure to take, check out all of Kev's work. Um, but without further ado, we want to get you that interview with Samad Taylor. Another incredible guest, uh, Samad Taylor of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Samad, how are you doing today? Pretty good yourself. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you joining. Um, so the first question I kind of always hop into just because – uh, fans don't necessarily know who you are. So just for for the fans out there, just give a little bit of background on yourself, kind of how you got to where you are. Uh, Samad Taylor from Corona, California. Um, was drafted in 2016 by the Cleveland Indians. I was traded in 2017 to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, went through every level with the Blue Jays from Bluefield, West Virginia, rookie ball to Vancouver to Lansing to Dunedin for high A, double A New Hampshire, triple A Buffalo. And I'm still here fighting. <laughs> and got traded um, August 2nd or August 1st, one of the two. August 2nd or August 1st to Kansas City Royals. And now I'm here with the Kansas City Royals. And I've had the opportunity to be put on the 40-man roster. And 
compete for a spot. Yeah, that's awesome. Like that, you just mentioned that uh, being added to the forty-man roster. Kind of take us into like what that moment was like and that feeling when you finally got that call and they're like, "Hey, we're adding you to the forty-man." Um, it was it was a a relief off off my back yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, it was a a moment that I've been waiting for, and when it happened, I at the time I was in the fall league and. I was um, just coming off injury. So I knew it was up in the air. Didn't know what was going to happen. They called, hey, we're protecting you. And it was like an immediate, <laughs> immediate relief. Yeah. They put me on and I've, I, I have no complaints. And called my family, called my girlfriend, let everybody know, told my agent. And now we're here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned another experience there too, the Arizona Fall League. Um, just for the viewers, that that's one of the where the top prospects go to play and kind of compete. Talk about the level of competition there, and just having that opportunity to be around those guys like every single day. I, it was it was a blessing. Um, yeah. Just being around guys that you know are at some point will be in the big leagues if they're in the big leagues for a day or if they're in the big leagues for fifteen years. But you know you're competing with the best of the best in the baseball world that we're in and it's just what, what are you going to do to not necessarily separate yourself because everybody else like everybody's good if they weren't good yeah. they wouldn't be good. so yeah what are you going to do to 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 make your game flawless and the the ins and outs of the game you had to you had to find your ways and you've seen every aspect of the game with different routines and the way just the way that everybody went about the game from being in different organizations, uh, it was it was elite. I, I personally think I feel like just taking certain things from certain people, seeing something new every day, and that was that was the biggest thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, kind of transitioning uh, into another question here. Uh, what we like to focus on on the Beyond Baseball podcast is just the human beings behind the numbers and the performances on the field. You've talked a lot about kind of your journey through baseball, how you got you where you were, but what are some of the passions that you have away from the game? What kind of uh, things that make you and drive you every single day outside of baseball? Um, number one, the Lord. Uh, I stand yeah. on the Lord. Um, family. My, I'm big, big, big with family. Uh, that's like my family, my backbone. My family yeah. gets me through every obstacle that I I go through. Um, hate to say it, video games. <laughs> video games is a big one. Uh, eating, I love trying food. Just in listening to music and, and being around my boys. At yeah. that. It doesn't even matter if it's in baseball or if it's away from the game. I just love being around my boys. And, and if it's me being around my boys chopping the mess or playing video games or shooting pool, whatever it is, I just I love being with my boys and spending time with my boys. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome because you can kind of tell that you really have that foundation around you, right? So like, no matter what happens on or off the field, you got your faith, you got your family, you got your friends, all these things that you can kind of go back to um, to kind of get away from whether it was a good or a bad performance, kind of really separate yourself. 100%. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your favorite video game and also favorite type of food? Favorite type of food?
<laughs> don't know options. <laughs> if I if if I'm cooking it, favorite type of food is chicken. Mm. Chicken rice can't go wrong with it. Um, and then favorite video game would be Call of Duty, and I'd have to say the old Warzone. Yeah, like that one was the best one. Yeah, I'm not big on this this new. Not big on it, but it would have to 100% be Call of Duty. The new future is not great in the new one? Nah. <laughs> Hard pass. It ain't it. Yeah. It is not it. That's awesome. Uh, so now, yeah, you can get some of those passions away from the game. You've had this awesome experience, too, in the Arizona Fall League and kind of developing yourself there. Um, as you kind of get into the 2023 season and we start preparing for uh, spring training, uh, what's some of your goals going into this year? Uh, just be the best version of myself every day. That's my yeah. main goal. Um, I'm not real big on number goals, just on the fact that if you're trying to chase number goals, you're, you're just yeah. you're selling yourself short. You're you're putting too much stress on yourself, and the number side of it isn't what I want to look at. But I just try to be the best version of myself every day and bring something of my game to the field every single day. If it's not going to be – because you're not going to hit every day. Like, yeah. that, that's just – you're not going to play great defense every day, but I'm going to do something great every day to put my team in a situation to win. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a great mindset, too, because you don't hear that from a lot of players, right? You hear, like, oh, I'm going to go get XYZ number, hit this many home runs. But the fact that you're kind of focused on you and the person that you can be on and off the field, I mean, that's that's beautiful. And that's like one of the things that we really love touching on in this podcast. Any way I could bring um, bring joy to the game and, and just have fun and yeah. any way I can put my team in a situation to win. Can't you? I can't complain after that. Whatever happens after that happens. If if I look up and I'm hitting 220, and we just won a World Series, I'm happy. Yeah, like I, I've I've done everything I can to put myself and help my team win, and we're winning. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh well, I want to hit 300. Yeah, it's gonna be nice to hit 300. Yeah, dope to hit 300. But let's be realistic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me, we interviewed Will Klein, one of your teammates of the Royals, and he talked about He's like, just go out there and be the teammate you want to, everybody wants to play for. He's like, that does, that's all that matters at the end of the day. He's like, what do you do on and off the field? Like, you're going to try your best form. You're, you're like the elite in the top. It's like, but what you think you can control every day is just go out there and be a good teammate. Right. Yeah. Play hard. That's all. Like, yep. certain things you control. Be a good person, play hard, and do things right. Yeah. Yeah. Control what you can control. There's other things that you can't control. I can't control where the ball goes after it leaves my bat. Yeah. Can't control where this pitch goes after it leaves my hand. Like, control what you can control and whatever else you can't control, let it be. Yep. Yeah. And you get all those external factors and outside noise that try to like tell you what you need to do and all those kind of things. Sometimes you just got to be where your feet are and just kind of play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, that kind of, kind of ties into the last question that I always ask, I, I guess, because um, we want this podcast, one, to be something that the fans really enjoy and get that human side. But we also want to have a kind of a resource for future athletes and guys who are trying to make it. So I feel like that one piece of advice for the next generation of baseball uh, players that are trying to kind of find their identity outside of the game or try to figure out how to make their way in professional baseball, what would that one piece of advice be? Chase your dream and never let anybody tell you that you can't do it. 
I'm yeah. I'm five foot eight, <laughs> five foot nine, one hundred and sixty pounds. When I signed, I was five foot seven, five foot eight, five foot seven around there, one hundred and forty pounds. And I've gotten to where I've gotten to. And me personally, a lot of people told me coming up, I would never get to the point I'm at. Yeah, and I just put my head down and said, "No, you're wrong," and I'm not. I'm gonna prove you wrong. So to all the youngins that are coming up in anything in life, it doesn't even have to be baseball. Just whatever it is, whatever your dream is, whatever your goal is, chase your dream and and, and chase it to the fullest. Don't tuck corners with it. Chase it and don't give up on it until your dream is achieved. Yeah, I love that. It goes back to like, if you don't believe in yourself, why would anyone else believe when you're going there? So you got to believe in yourself first in order to get there. And I think that's just an awesome thing to wrap up on. Um, Samad, we can't thank you enough for joining us on Beyond Baseball. Uh, we're wishing you nothing but the best in uh, 2023. And we'll be, we'll be watching. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me.